Charmed, and welcome back to Let Me Ruin Your Life with me, Serena Shahidi. How is everyone? How are you, my darlings? Happy belated Thanksgiving. I hope your Thanksgiving was fabulous. I hope you spent it with with people who don't annoy you too much and who perhaps even love you, which for many is hard to come by. I hope you had some good food, some good wine even, maybe a cocktail or two. Who knows? It's crazy out there. It's a crazy world. Yeah, I hope everyone's Thanksgiving was great. I hope you're experiencing lots of gratitude and lots of thankfulness. Tis the season, baby. It's time to be thankful, which I haven't done all year, so I really... I, I ought to get around to it. Maybe I should start, should I start being one of those people who keep a gratitude journal? I don't think I would be good at it. I think I would be like, I'm, I'm grateful that that bitch who wronged me is dating a creative director or something. But, you know, maybe I'll give it a shot. Maybe even that would make me feel better. What if that's the thing that fixes me? Can you imagine me just writing... I'm experiencing so much gratitude that that guy I hate got fired. Also, thank you, everyone. Spotify Wrapped just famously came out. Uh, I will not be sharing my own as it is. It's shameful. It's humiliating. And it's deeply concerning for really all involved. But much more importantly... You, you lot have received your Spotify wrapped and many of you have sent me or tagged me in the fact that Let Me Ruin Your Life is one of your top podcasts or you've listened to it for, I mean, some of you, a ridiculous amount of time. And I do not make a lot of podcast episodes. So I know you're re-listening and re-listening and re-listening. And I am so thankful for you. That is so crazy. And... I don't know. I don't know what to say. I also, you know, when you're a, a podcaster, you get your own Spotify wrapped for your podcast. And that's cool because it's like someone in Germany listened to you. So shout out, you know, to anyone in Germany. Shout out to anyone in any country, really, if you're living in a country right now. Anyway, but it also did tell me I didn't realize ugh, I only uploaded 10 episodes this year. Girl. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. That's less than one a month. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I am horrible at this. Not that I'm horrible at like, I don't know, speaking out loud, but I'm not, I don't think I'm good at doing things. You know what I mean? I just don't know if I, if that's the kind of girl I am, but maybe I'll become her. I'm trying to be, I guess, less frustrated with myself when I don't do things, because then it becomes a whole cycle of, oh, I'm not getting this done. And now I'm angry and I'm annoyed. And now I don't feel good. So I'm not going to get anything done. And then I'm angry and I'm annoyed again. And it's just this whole thing. You got to break the cycle. And I know I'm not going to break the cycle by doing stuff. So I need to break it by telling myself it's okay if I don't always do stuff. That's, you know, maybe that's my New Year's resolution. I don't know if I've ever made one. Maybe that's that, you know? It is the holiday season. Happy holiday. 
Z slash season. I'm very excited for the holidays for the first time in a long time because, you know, you become an adult. The magic goes away. You don't believe in Santa anymore, even though I don't really think my parents tried very hard with that bullshit. But you know what? Good for them. I wouldn't do it either. You become an adult and there's not a whole lot you want anymore. There's not a whole lot of toys you'd like to play with. You don't always want to get your stockings stuffed. I'm just going with innuendos at this point. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But I never do. Anyway, you don't really, you know, get excited about the holidays as an adult, unless you're one of those people who does, and that kind of freaks me out. I don't know. I appreciate that people like Christmas music. But some people like it a little a little too much. It ventures into, I mean, I hate this phrase. It feels very BuzzFeed, but... It ventures into Disney adult territory, let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. What the hell does that mean? Is that about cards? No idea. I'm not usually a big holidays girl, but I'm excited for this holiday season because it marks the end of the year. And this year, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm done. That's that. Usually it's custom to wait until, like, the last week of the year to give up for the rest of the year. I'll tell you right now, I called it at about April for me. That was my truth for this year. But I do appreciate, you know, just the idea that there is a week out of the year from like Christmas to New Year's where everyone sort of is over it, doesn't do anything. That's beautiful. We should have more of those. Why is there just one week out of 52 where we do that? We should be more like the French and be out of office for six months, just hanging out by the sea. They really got it right. I mean, the French did not get it right in many, many ways. But that one, that part of their culture, they get it. They really do. I have high hopes for next year. I always have high hopes. I always have high, high hopes, Panic at the Disco, featuring Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg? Is that right? I think he has one of those names where no matter how you say it, it doesn't sound quite right. So you might as well just stick with whatever you said. What are you going to do? I'm starting anew this next year. I, I'm a new girl. It's true. I can feel it in my bones. In my bone marrow, really deep in there. That good shit that you can donate, I'm feeling it in there. I, I did make the decision... To go back to school part-time, so I'm starting that in January. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to say. I don't know why I do the things I do. I, I hardly even know that I do them. It hardly even registers with me, but they get done, and then I don't know what to say. We'll see. We'll see. I'm feeling good about going back to school, mostly just because I think I need somewhere to go. I have nowhere to go right now, which is a privilege. I don't have to show up for a job every day. I can do stuff at home. You know, it's the modern era. People are working from home. People are are uh, Instacarting their groceries. Why did I almost say substacking? I can't even keep up with the modern era. Am I ordering oranges or am I writing a newsletter? Who knows anymore? And sometimes you're just not sure. But there's so many reasons not to leave your house 
or apartment nowadays, I'm starting to think maybe that's bad. I'm starting to have the revolutionary thought that maybe it's good to go outside. And it's good to, to not just go outside, but to have a reason to go outside regularly. Because many of us have the option to step outdoors, but sometimes it's like, what's the point? What's out there? People? Grass? A store, maybe? Perhaps a cafe? I think people may have been doing better back in the day where there were real places to go. You know, you watch Seinfeld, they're always going places. Elaine is getting stuff dry cleaned. Jerry is going to the library. I don't think Jerry goes to the library, but you know what I mean. As someone who existed for about three months in the 90s, I look back in the 90s and I'm like, I like how they were going places. I respect that. You know, it's like ordinary stuff, but then exciting things can come out of that. You can meet a hottie at the laundromat. It really can happen. I never did back when I had to go to one when I was living in that famously illegal nine-bedroom apartment in Tribeca, which was, it was almost in Chinatown, but I did, I had to put my laundry in a big Ikea bag and trot on up to Chinatown, go to the Daily Bubble laundromat, so shout out to them. I don't know what their prices are now, but they did a $15 wash and fold back in my day, a few years ago. You know, 20 bucks with tip, not bad for a load of laundry that you didn't have to do yourself. Okay, I'm done endorsing laundromats. Uh, I, I spent Thanksgiving in the famous location of the Hamptons. Ever heard of it? It was, it was fun to go out there. The last time I went out east, as we call it in the biz, it was Memorial Day weekend, and that's a rough experience. Not to complain about going to the Hamptons, but just to, to really warn the people. It's a public service announcement, really. It's an after-school special, nearly. I used to be really into watching after-school specials. When I, like, around the time I went to FIT, I would be in draping class, draping, draping away, pinning, pinning on that mannequin, just listening in my AirPods to an after-school special about some kid being gay. But honestly, everything. Everything. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend and times such as that in the Hamptons, it's rough because it's, it's party time. And the people who go out there are not the sort of crowd you expect, you know. When you didn't grow up going to the Hamptons or anything like that, you just sort of saw it on Gossip Girl, you, you expect class. You expect Blair Waldorf's left and right. Is Waldorf the name of... Is that the name of that salad that's like celery and mayonnaise and raisins? That's crazy. Whoever did that, you're crazy, girl. You're crazy. I love it. You're crazy. Um, yeah, par- partying time out east is a dark time. I remember I went to this one place. First of all, everything is white sneakers and white claws. That's the vibe out there. Everywhere that isn't like a restaurant, anywhere that people really go out, is a place that sells hard seltzer. I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe at a dive bar, maybe somewhere that has character. But hard seltzer, that's like your friend is throwing a house party. I don't go out to drink 
hard seltzer. That's just not how it works. Not in my book. Uh, Jesus Christ, what was I saying? Okay, the last time I went out, went out there, I remember a guy came up to me at this bar, club, or whatever it was. He pointed to the girl next to him. He said, this is my girlfriend. Do you think she's pretty? I mean, that's the kind of moment that turns a girl into Scooby-Doo. And we've all experienced that and we all know the feeling. But how odd. I could see if he came up to me and went, this is my girlfriend. Isn't she pretty? But to go, this is my girlfriend. Hottie or naughty? What's your take? Out of your mind. Anyway, this time I went out there. Had a little Grey Gardens moment. It was fun. I love, we were out in East Hampton. And I love East Hampton because it's like, it's such a unique place. Because it's like a small town, but rich people. And I haven't been to a lot of places like that. I feel like that's more of a Connecticut vibe. But East Hampton, there's a cute little downtown, like a regular small town. But then... There's a Prada, there's a Balenciaga, there's a a Chanel with benches outside of it. That's kind of everything. I'm I'm the bitch on the bench outside of Chanel just like smoking a cigarette, trying to talk to people. That's the kind of person I am. It's just, it's so funny. It's such a unique place just to see like a stop and shop next to a Prada. And I had fun out there. I had my first really traditional Thanksgiving. And honestly, I didn't think that I would like it. I'm not a big... I don't really enjoy tradition. I've been thinking a lot about tradition lately. It's not really my thing. And it's funny because I like a lot of old stuff, but I think it's just like I'm a a golden age thinker. So I like old stuff that doesn't exist anymore. If it's an old thing that is carried on, it's a tradition not into it. That's why I want to get eloped because I don't want to have a big wedding. I don't want to do all that nonsense. That's humiliating. That's a humiliating experience for everyone involved. Not to be like, oh, I'm not like those girls because I definitely, I want to get married. And I'm actually, I'm such a romantic that I want to get married multiple times. So I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm going to wear Converse at my wedding. Absolutely not. But I also don't want to humiliate myself. And I don't think that's too much to ask. My parents got eloped. My parents are not, you know, also not really into traditions. We had, growing up, we had sort of traditional Thanksgivings. And that was always fun. And then, you know, I I famously became an adult. I was talking to my friend one time. We tried to have a sort of Friendsgiving, a little Friendsgiving, like we're in the show Friends. Uh, could we be any more uh, friends? Could we be any more festive? Could we be any more thankful? We chandlered the night away. No, it was pathetic. We tried to have our own Thanksgiving. We didn't coordinate anything, mostly because we knew on some level that nobody we know can cook. So it would be a lot to ask to be like, you get the green bean casserole. I don't think that would end well. But how it did end, everyone brought what they wanted to bring. And it turned out that that was just alcohol, booze, if you will. 
And one person, it may have been me, I think it was me, I brought a, a rotisserie chicken. I believe that was me. I think I remember feeling the warmth of that rotisserie chicken on my thigh on the subway there. You know the feeling when you have that, that rotisserie in your lap. That's probably what it feels like to have a baby. You know, warm and protective and just feeling, feeling love and feeling thankful. But that was our meal. It was alcohol and there was a chicken. We set up a table. We just put the chicken in the middle of it. When people arrived, we were like, if you want food, rip off some chick. Take a leg. Take a wing. Go at it with your bare hands. Gnaw at it. Who cares? Here's a paper plate and no fork. So that's, you know, for the most part, the the kind of Thanksgivings I had as an adult. This one, classic. Classic and big. My friend who I was staying with, her mother cooks, and she, she cooks so wonderfully. You know, we had the whole nine. We had turkey. We had stuffing. The turkey was stuffed. Green bean casserole mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, both kinds of potatoes, gravy, cranberry sauce. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. There were there were pine cones on the table. And guess what? Here's a little something about the table. It wasn't in the kitchen. Dining room, that's right. Dining room, pine cones, two forks, Actually, I don't think there were really two forks because I don't think there was a salad, but it had it had two fork energy. I, I'll say that much. No, there were two forks. I remember that. See, that's class. And I was pleasantly surprised by Thanksgiving food. I didn't think uh, I really liked it because I don't really like man food. And I'm a big believer in gender roles when it comes to food. I think there's truly food with masculine energy and there's food with feminine energy. And I would describe man food as being distinguished simply by utilitarianism. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm trying to stay alive. Let me get my cows in. Let me get my my micros in. See, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I just know microdosing. Let me get my macros in. All that sort of thing. All that sort of thing. I'm not into chicken and rice. I'm not into beef. Maybe a steak every once in a while, but not into stew or chili. When we were out there, we actually, when we were out there, we did go to a restaurant one night and my male friend, you heard me, ordered chili for dinner with a beer. And I was like, wow, that's a man. That's nasty. But that's a man. Uh, What else do I do? I don't do meat and potatoes. I'm not a meat and potatoes kind of girl. Anything really that's like Eastern European. That's not my culinary vibe. I don't like a home fry or a steak fry. I don't like a wedge of potato. I think potatoes should be um, small. I don't want to gnaw into a potato. That's man behavior. That's what men do. And people always talk about, oh, women, you know, you don't have to eat salads. And that's true. But there's something feminine about a salad because it's kind of pointless. You know, a little salad course. That's girl vibes because it's just sort of like humor me for a moment. Let's do this. Let's do it for the vibe. 
Let's do it for the glamour. Let's commit to the idea. And I love that. We're not just cavemen eating beef. We're having some, some wilted greens. Perhaps with some slivered almonds. Maybe some balsamic. Who knows? That's what I like about staying with classy people. Or just attending their dinner parties or anything like that. They do stuff just sort of for the vibe. Just almost for the hell of it. They appreciate things that have no utilitarian value whatsoever. You know, let's put a branch in the table. It's Thanksgiving, baby. Actually, my my friend's mother, who, who cooked, she... I heard a piece of advice from her once, and I forget if it was directly to me or if it was to my friend and she told it to me. She said, when you're at a guy's place, turn over his plates. Go to his cupboard, turn over those plates, see what brand they are. See if he's really spending his plate money. If he's going through that plate budget. I don't think even my nosy self is going to do such a thing. But if there's anyone listening, maybe that's the piece of dating advice that is really going to help you out. See what the plate situation is like. So that was fun. That was my Thanksgiving. The next thing I want to talk about, and I already talked about this elsewhere, before anyone comes for me and says, you're still talking about this, yes. If you ask me a question that starts with the phrase, you're still talking, the answer is yes. I didn't make a TikTok about this, and I tweeted it. But you know what? I'm eco-friendly. I recycle content. Let me tell you something. Okay. So the other day I had an appointment with my therapist. And we one of the things we work on a lot is that if I'm feeling depressed, I don't go outside. I go hermit mode. If I do go outside, I'm like going out at, you know, which which tends to happen at night. And if you'll notice... At nighttime, the sun isn't out, and the sun is very important. Apparently, you're supposed to get sunlight within, like, I don't know, 20 minutes of waking up or something like that. That's crazy. I don't know. I listened to, like, a neuroscientist do a podcast once. (laughs) Whatever. Haven't we all? So he... Anyway, my therapist always wants me to go outside. He's obsessed. He's obsessed. He's obsessed. And also, he gave me a great piece of advice. Maybe someone out there needs this. I, I had had a bad week recently and I was like I have hardly left my apartment this week I think I left like besides maybe grocery shopping I left like once to go to a party and what he said to me he was like if you aren't leaving your apartment for a week that's probably not you being lazy or you failing in some sort of way there's something going on beneath that you know you can't just be frustrated and be like, oh, I uh, I have to do this. I have to do that. Because there's a lot of things that we should want to do as people, such as going outside. And if you're not doing that, there's probably something else going on that you need to work on. I thought that was very helpful. Anyway, I, I was inspired after my therapy session. I wanted to make, I wanted to make daddy proud. <laughs> Ew. And all these sirens outside whatever I'm just gonna talk I'm just gonna talk and that's that I wanted to make daddy proud so I was like let me go on a little mental health walk let me take a little walkie walk I mean it wasn't just a walk because I also went to this is so 
I went to St. Patrick's Cathedral too because I wanted to talk to my dead aunt, uh, but she didn't say anything. So if she's out there, if she's listening, you know, if she's a, a glam demonette, I would love to chat sometime. Hit me up, you know, maybe in my dreams or maybe while I'm awake. Really either one. So I go for this walk. I'm wearing... I'm wearing some nonsense while I'm inside because I had been inside all day and it gets very hot inside. It's the winter. I don't control the radiator. That's controlled by Eric Adams or or God or the Holy Spirit or whoever it is, really. So I have to uh, do an act of getting dressed. I have to participate in that. And I'm like, okay, let me just throw on whatever. Let me throw on some nonsense. I don't even normally wear pants, but I was, I was wearing pants in that moment. I actually think I'm going to become a pants girl. I just ordered two pairs. I, for the past few years, I've been in my, like, Taylor Swift in 2010 era. Do you remember when she never wore pants? That was everything. But I've just, like, I basically just wear mini skirts. And during the winter, I wear fleece tights under them. So my friends know it's a whole thing. They know if they see me in pants, a wellness check. A wellness check is needs to be called 5150, something of the sort. But I was wearing pants, and I left my apartment, and I have my walk. I go to the, the church, or is a church different from a cathedral? I never learned these things. Is a cathedral Catholic? But a church can be Catholic, because the Catholic church... Why do I bother? Why do I bother sometimes? Anyway, later that day, I checked an app, a little app that I like to call TikTok, and I was being tagged in a video. And I opened the video. It said, what New Yorkers are wearing today? And I said, uh-oh. There, there's a shot of me walking down the street. And I will say, you know, it wasn't my worst moment. It wasn't my worst moment ever. I've had worse. I live right near a 24-hour CVS. You can imagine the sort of things that they've seen from me. So it wasn't exactly rock bottom. Not my finest moment. Uh, faux fur, cheetah print coat, flood pants, block heels, clinging onto my phone by the pop socket. I mean, not quite rock bottom, but not my moment. Not my moment to be featured in a street-style TikTok video. And I... And it's so weird. I mean, you know, you don't know you're being filmed. And I have mixed feelings about people filming strangers in public. Especially... I don't know. I'm not really that mad that it happened to me. I already shown my face online. Whatever. But there are lots of people who do not. And they're just walking down the street. Which isn't... Being filmed walking down the street isn't quite as bad as some people film people while they're like having a complete meltdown and it's like, oh, you, you should be helping. Like, what are you doing? Jesus. But putting people's faces online without their permission, it's weird. It really is weird because it's not just like, oh, my face is online. It's like this opens me up to criticism when I was just being me. I was just being a girl out in the world. Because I posted a screenshot of that video on Twitter. People are going, she can't dress. That's a horrible outfit. Now I, 
I'm out here fighting for my life because I had the gall to leave my apartment. People are online going, this outfit is terrible. It's allowed to be. It's allowed to be. I'm on a sidewalk in Midtown. If I can't dress like shit in Midtown, where can I? So that's my mental health walk. Any benefit I got from that? Canceled out. Canceled out. Ugh. I want to talk about my obsession with the Drew Barrymore show. It's time. It's time. I need to confess. I need to get it off my chest. And perhaps most importantly, I need to convert. I need to convert the people because I am, I, I'm not ashamed to say I'm obsessed with the Drew Barrymore show. I am obsessed with Drew Barrymore's daytime talk show. And I, you know, I've been talking a lot. I really have been talking a lot about media consumption lately. Isn't it funny that I was the bitch that was like, don't make that your whole personality. Whatever. <laughs> you know what? I just say shit. I just say shit. I don't always mean it. Or sometimes I mean it in the moment. And then, you know, that's life. And sometimes you, you say things and then you fall in love with the Drew Barrymore show. And what are you going to do? Because love is love. But it is, you know, it's a daytime television show. And I've always been very judgmental about that kind of media. I feel like I talk a lot about late night. Not because I even really watch it, but because it fascinates me. It's so odd. By the way, the other day, or the other night, I was with my friends, and I was on my phone, and for some reason I was just, like, diving into the depths of Twitter, because sometimes I just like to see what people are like, you know? I just want to discover sort of new, new types of people, and boy, did I, because I found myself on Jimmy Fallon fan Twitter, I'm just going to let that hang in the air for a second. They call themselves Fal Pals, and they love Jimmy Fallon. And I stumbled across one account in particular. It was this woman, and she, I mean, she tweets kind of a lot, but every morning she tweets at Jimmy Fallon, and she's like, happy Saturday. I hope your Saturday is going amazing. I love you so much. Thank you for everything. You're the best. And no joke, unironically, I cried. <laughs> there were tears rolling down my face. Because it was so... I don't... There's something so, like, wholesome, but kind of sad at the same time. You know, people... Some people just have so much love to give. And they don't know where to put it. And sometimes they just tweet it at Jimmy Fallon every morning. And that's kind of beautiful. And it's kind of tragic. And it's kind of sad, beautiful, tragic by Taylor Swift. Anyway, talk shows. They're a strange phenomenon. I, by the way, I learned at like an embarrassingly old age. Not within the past handful of years, but I almost want to say around the age of 18, I learned that people just go on those shows to promote things. I truly thought in my evolved human brain and in my heart of hearts, I thought like Anne Hathaway and Jimmy Kimmel just wanted to catch up. It took me 
far too long of a time to be like, oh, celebrities only go on there when they have something to promote. What a coincidence. So it's just, I mean, essentially it's one long commercial, which feels disrespectful to the American public, especially, I mean, at least make it interesting. Because I've seen some late night clips and people have nothing to say. I mean, what these celebrities being like, oh, I embarrassed myself in front of Danny DeVito. Who gives a fuck? You're just trying to sell us shit and you can't even give us something juicy? Come on now. It's disrespectful. It really is. And the Drew Barrymore show is as well, like full of ads and promotions and it's silly. The vibes are crazy. Drew talks a lot about she talks a lot about like motherhood. She brings on her exes. She just fully like has conversations with them about how the relationship was. I love it. She just has her like ex-husband on and is like, we haven't spoken in 20 years. Welcome to my show. Welcome to the Drew Barrymore show, bitch. It's our reunion. We used to be married. I love it. She also has a segment on, on stain removal because I guess she's just obsessed with stain removal. Like, I guess that's her passion. That's just the kind of life she wants to lead. And good for her. I love, because she, you know, she pitched that herself. There wasn't a producer on that show that was like, you love stain removal. Let's do a segment. The people would love that. No, that was 100%. That was true. That was my girl, Drew Barrymore, and we love her for it. And I, it, it's so hard to explain the vibes of this television show. I had to Google, I Googled the Drew Barrymore show because I wanted to see if anyone had really written something about it and described the essence of the program in a more eloquent way than I can. And what I did find, there's a New Yorker piece on the show. And I'll give you a quote. This is about an episode where she does a tour of sort of her childhood in L.A. Barrymore crawls up onto the roof of her car, sits cross-legged, and reflects on how far she's come. Then the camera pulls back. Welcome to the Drew Barrymore show, she yells, cackling and crying at the same time. The whole thing is weird and weirdly endearing, both authentically raw and aware of its canned showy rawness. In short, it's great television. And it's so true. I mean, there's a lot of crying. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of just being obsessed with everything. She's obsessed with everything. She loves everything. Every guest that comes on, she's obsessed. And she loves that show that they just did or that movie they just did. By the way, none of these hosts are watching any of that shit. They're on TV five days a week. You think they're watching everything HBO Max has to offer? As if. But uh, Drew Barrymore, she truly, she's obsessed with everything. There's one moment I remember in particular. She tries, I guess Scarlett Johansson has a line of healthy, exactly, grain-free pizza bites, which is, I'm sure, vile. Drew tried them on air, licked her plate, licked her plate with the Scarlett Johansson grain-free pizza bites. I mean, 
That girl is lying through her pizza bite chewing teeth, and I'm obsessed. The best part of the show is a little segment I like to call Drew's News, because that's what it's called. Drew sits down with the hilarious Ross Matthews, and they talk about headlines. They call it like a positive news segment. It isn't really that. It isn't really like, you know, this uh, this baby started a charity or anything like that. It's more like, oh, this is in right now. And that nonsense. But it'll literally be like, Drew will say, so we're all obsessed with Bridgerton. But have you ever seen a dog dressed like a Bridgerton character? And then they'll play the video. And then Drew will be like, I actually... I follow that dog. That's a famous dog. And Ross will be like, yes, he, he's famous on Insta. And it's everything. It's the funniest goddamn thing I've ever seen. By the way, Bridgerton is 100% a money laundering scheme. I, that I believe and that I feel. I not only believe, but I feel I'm listening to my gut and despite, you know, my, my gut microbiome is probably very unbalanced, but I still believe it in many situations. And this is one of the many situations I really believe that Bridgerton is a money laundering scheme. Because why, out of nowhere, every celebrity, every influencer, every talk show host was suddenly like, we're all obsessed with Bridgerton. I know we all love Bridgerton. Who is we all? Because I haven't heard a soul discuss it outside of, of television and maybe some influencer's Instagram story. I haven't heard a word. Not one word. And it's so strange. People are coming out with so many drama shows, so many new drama shows. And it's so clearly because it's like, okay, we want this viral moment like we want to be the show of the moment we want everyone to be on the edge of their seat and talking about it and that works for a moment for a literal moment and then never again not once again I mean there's no we need sitcoms again I don't even know if sitcoms would work in this streaming era there are a few good ones out there but we need them back because they last. People watch those over and over again. They become actually culturally significant and not just something people pretend to care about for two weeks. In five, 10 years, people are still gonna be watching, you know, Friends and How I Met Your Mother and, and 30 Rock and It's Always Sunny. Who, in five, 10 years, who is going to be saying a goddamn word about the crown or, or Bridgerton? Not a soul. I'm sure of it. I mean, you'd have to be crazy not to be sure of it. Not a soul. Remember Outer Banks? Me neither. Because people talked about it for one week in 2020, and it was gone with the wind. It was gone with that Outer Banks wind. I don't know what happened to that show. I don't know if it's still being made. I don't know what happened to any of those actors. I mean, I still don't know who any of those actors are, which is a testament to that. 
Do we know anyone who's in Bridgerton? No. I know there's a hot guy. Don't know his name. Don't know who anyone else is. Anyway, that's that on Bridgerton. Okay, just got an email. Sorry, brag. Last thing I want to say about the Drew Barrymore show and about Drew's news in particular, because one of the things that they talk about all the time, Drew and the hilarious Ross Matthews, is dating trends. That's a big thing. And by the way, the funniest clip of that, literally I had to screen record and tweet it. I couldn't help myself, but there's a clip. They're talking about a headline that says, the, this is the worst thing to wear on a first date or something like that, which you would think, I don't know, a bonnet or like a fedora or oh, maybe a, an ankle monitor. You know what? I think that's the real answer. I think that's the worst thing to wear on a first date. No offense, Anna Delvey. By the way, I'm going to talk about her in a bit because of course I am. Anyway, apparently the worst thing to wear on a first date is a white shirt. We're really grasping at straws with with what we call news. But Ross, the hilarious Ross Matthews receives this news that that's the worst thing to wear on a date. And he goes, you know what? I... I feel like whenever I wear a white shirt, I'm spilling stuff on it. I'm getting chili on it. I'm getting barbecue sauce on it. And then he turns to the audience and he 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 puts his hand up. He goes, anyone else spill on themselves? <laughs> and it kills me. It kills me. And the audience is like, yes, I spill on myself. It's so goddamn funny. But anyway, they talk about dating trends all the time, and Lord knows I've watched 300 clips of this goddamn segment, so I've seen pretty much everyone they've talked about. And I want to talk about several. I would like to discuss several, because all of these quote-unquote dating trends, it's just things that completely wipe out the romance and the fun of dating. There's no, you ever notice how there's no article, Refinery29 has never put out a piece that's like the hot new dating trend, handpicked bouquets, it's none of that. Here's what it is, here's an example, and I will give you several, a little thing that they call date zero. Get a load of this, a virtual date before you commit to a real first date. I mean... Jackets used to go over puddles. And now the new thing is, let's see if you're worthy of a first date. I mean, I kind of understand it, you know, with online dating. You don't really know them. You don't know if you'll have chemistry. I understand it on an individual level. But as a trend on the macro scale, it's just it's no fun. Here's another one. Starting with a coffee date, having your first date be a coffee date. And this is, I mean, I think a lot of these are just like, let's make this more efficient, right? Let's speed this whole dating process up. And I don't hate the idea of a coffee date. If you're busy, if you, I mean, I think if you don't drink, your options are sort of limited. So I think that's probably a good idea for you. But a coffee date, we all have to admit, whether we partake or not, it's a little silly. It's a little silly. It's very, I mean, that's what you do if you message someone on LinkedIn and say, can I pick your brain? That's what happens then. That's not what happens on a date. And I don't want to go on a date and walk away 
and think to myself, well, that was efficient. We really, we're upping our productivity around here. I feel like a CEO. I feel like a CEO. Here's another one, another trend, wearing sweatpants and no makeup on a first date. And listen, I do endorse this if that's your truth, especially because on this particular segment, Kiki Palmer was a guest and she was all about it. And whatever Kiki Palmer wants to do, she can do. She can do. But I think a lot of the fun of dating is those early stages where you can have your your fake good side out. It's fun. It's fun. And you should know what someone looks like at their best. You want to know, you know, how do your suits fit? How do you treat waiters? That sort of thing. You can learn what they're like on a day-to-day basis later on. I feel like dating now has become just like, let's wear sweats and pour out all of our baggage. And sure, like, don't completely pretend to be someone you're not. But also, you can wear perfume and you can talk about normal stuff. You can talk about, you can ask someone what they do for a living and what their favorite book is. That's just fine. That is all right for a first date. What do we have to be doing these things on a first date? I mean, it reminds me of if you guys have ever had a friend who got out of a long term relationship and is dating again and they I mean, there's two options there. They either become a whore. Let's be honest. Or they're completely like, I'm skipping to that long term relationship again. I'm skipping to that serious, serious relationship again. I'm not going to have any fun whatsoever first date we're gonna hang out on his couch and a month later we're moving in that i mean allow yourself the space to just date and just be normal and also know that the people you meet who are very into that who are like okay let's skip to that come on i want to know how your parents divorce affected you before the appetizers even arrive you don't want to be dating them you don't how about before you find out what they look like in a sweatshirt you find out if they can act normal (laughs) That's my belief. You should know that sooner rather than later. Okay, last dating trend that they talked about, Camila Cabello was on the show, and Drew was talking to her about dating, and she was like, oh, I just learned this. I just learned this from the youth. Dates don't exist now, right? Nobody goes on dates. And Camila Cabello, I don't know what this girl is on about, she goes, oh, yeah, you just do a 15-minute walk or something. What? What in the world? What kind of post-apocalyptic world are you living in? I don't understand. See, every dating trend now is like, don't date. (laughs) Don't go on dates. Don't date people. Don't allow anyone to date you. That's key. Just find a person. Find a person, lay everything out. Lay every goddamn thing out. Don't you dare have dinner together. You can't possibly... Also, I love how people hear about things like that and they're like, oh, this is the hot new thing. This is what we should all be doing because the youth are doing it. Just because young people are doing things does not make it cool. You know why young people are going for 15-minute walks instead of dates? They don't have money. We don't go, all the young people are eating cup noodles. It's the hot new thing. No, that's just, you know, you're young. You don't have it together. That's fine. But if you're 40, 
just live that 40-year-old life and live your 40-year-old dream. You don't have to do all that. Anyway, all that to say, I'm not loving these trends. I'm not loving dating trends at all. I'm not saying you have to wear a gown and go to the opera on a date. But there's got to be something. There's got to be something. Can the person you're going on a 15-minute walk with, like, pull out some weeds and, and tie a ribbon around them and give that to you as a bouquet? I don't know. There's got to be something. This is ridiculous. Anyway, that's that on the Drew Barrymore show. For now. For now. And now, naturally, I want to talk about Lindsay Lohan's Falling for Christmas. Her new Netflix movie film, really. Her new Christmas movie. I watched it. I had so much fun watching it. I watched it with my friend who is Jewish. So, you know, Christmas movie. But she was all about it. Because Lindsay Lohan, she brings the religions together. She brings the world together. I am so excited for her comeback. I'm so proud of my girl, Lindsay. She looks amazing. Gorgeous skin. I love a ginger. I love a ginger who sticks with it. Because so many gingers go blonde. And be who you are. Be who you are. If you have red hair, that's a little bit silly, but it's a big blessing. Live your ginger truth. The first thing I will say about Lindsay Lohan's Falling for Christmas is that it is not a good movie. Okay, let's get that out of the way immediately. It's not a a great movie. I endorse it 100%. Lindsay's comeback, whatever she does, I'll be proud of her. Not a great movie. But I will say... When it comes to Netflix Christmas movies, the only other thing I know of, which is where I assume the bar lies at, are those Vanessa Hudgens movies, The Princess Switch. I've only ever seen Trixie and Katya react to them, but I get it. I get the idea. It's it's Vanessa Hudgens, and she, like, switches lives with a princess who's her twin. I don't know. Something like that. But then there are a bunch of sequels and, like, more Vanessa Hudgenses keep showing up and they're just growing exponentially. It looks crazy. So, you know, I'll give Falling for Christmas some credit. It's not that. What I was shocked to see, Cord Overstreet is the love interest. I forget exactly where I know that man because I know he was on Glee. I think he was just like big at some point. I think maybe he was in like Tiger Beats or something that I was reading on the bleachers in gym class in middle school, pretending to have an ankle injury so I wouldn't have to, to run or or walk or, like, pick up a ball or anything like that. Cordover Street is the love interest. The hair situation on him is confusing and perhaps even painful, but also powerful because it's a hairstyle that I have not seen in years. I have not seen it in years. I mean, how long has it been since we've seen a side bang? It's been a minute. Even with, like, the Y2K comeback, his little, like, swoop hair, whatever it was, with highlights, that has not come back. Not one bit. But I respect it because he, unlike many people, is really committing to that comeback. A lot of people say, my style is Y2K, I wear juicy couture. I wear mini skirts. Bring out the the skinny tinsel scarves. Be brave. 
If you want to be brave, be brave. Wear a beret for once. How about that? Wear a skirt on top of some pants. Wear a, a tiered skirt on top of some boot-cut jeans. If you're about it, you're about it. Wear your capris. Where's your, your vest that came out of absolutely goddamn nowhere? Just a vest that has no explanation whatsoever. Where's your long-ass shirt? That's what I want to know. Because you know what? None of you are Cordover Street. And the harsh truth is, you never will be. You never will be. Lindsay plays this character that's... I mean, you know the drill. She's rich. She's shallow. She wears pink and she wears fur. And she gets very upset when people spill things onto her. Spoiler alert. She has a shitty boyfriend that she's not going to end up with. I, I mean, I think that's a little played out at this point. That type of character. How long ago was Sharpay? 15 years? We get it by now. We get it and we love her. We love Regina George. We love many of those girls, but not everyone has to be them. So Lindsay's character, she's dating this like hot influencer guy, British, by the way. Influencers also are never accurate in movies. I want to be an influencer consultant from movies and TV shows because they're always just like, I need to get a picture of my food. Let's take a selfie. Oh my God. Sorry, I just got like a crypto scam text. Bizarre. Anyway, influencers in movies, they always want to take selfies. They always want to bring out their selfie stick and all that. If you've ever hung out with real influencers, you know all they do is talk for an hour about how mad they are about this one comment they got. You know, it's what they talk about at dinner. And then when the bill comes, they're like, can I actually post this so I don't have to pay? Yeah, that would be amazing. Like, that's that's sort of the vibe. And honestly, it's fun. It's fun to hang out with influencers. They're silly. It's just such a ridiculous world. Okay, so Lindsay, spoiler alert, spoiler for for falling for Christmas, even though I'm sure this was in the trailer or whatever. Lindsay gets amnesia, doesn't remember who she is anymore, doesn't remember she's rich, doesn't remember her sexy British influencer boyfriend. So she stays with Cord Overstreet, who runs a, a bed and breakfast that is not doing well. He is not great at business. He does not seem like he wants to make any money whatsoever. There's a Christmas tree in every room of the bed and breakfast. How about cut that out of the budget? What about that? Put one downstairs. That's all you need. And here's, okay, I won't get to everything about the movie. It's no Drew Barrymore show. But let me tell you my problem with the movie. And honestly, my problem with many movies, especially like Hallmark and all that sort of nonsense. You watch it, you know, that's sort of part of the process. And then you're supposed to root for the Cordover Street, right? But then so much of the time, you know, that that actor, that character, not necessarily ugly. I wouldn't say he's an unattractive guy at all. But he's not the hot guy of the movie. And you know what? You know what I'm going to bravely say and boldly admit? 
I'm always rooting for the hot guy. I am. I am. I have to. And you know what? Not in real life. In real life, of course, I'll, I'll always choose the nice guy. I've dated some, you know, aesthetically questionable fellas. And that's fine. I'll choose nice over looks any day of the week. But not in a movie. Not in a movie. This isn't real life. I don't have to experience day-to-day life with this man. I just want more screen time for the sexy guy. It's not that I'm rooting for the bad person. I'm rooting for just the opportunity to see a hot guy. That's all I ask. And that's all I've ever asked. Anyway, long story long, the movie naturally ends with Lindsay Lohan's character, her entire personality changes, because why wouldn't it? But maybe, you know, maybe it was just the head injury, not necessarily the love of it all or the the bed and breakfast of it all, the scrambled eggs in the morning and all that sort of thing. Maybe she just shook up her brain enough that something clicked into place, right? Like, don't mind if I do. I think I could use a good rattling. Ew. (laughs) Although in real life, let's be honest, the head injury story would just be like a football player who gets a head injury and then is starts to get more violent with his wife. Anyway, I loved my experience of watching Falling for Christmas. It was fun. It's nice to see a movie like that every once in a while, despite the fact that it's, you know, not good. But I think it's so beautiful. It was number one on Netflix because we're watching for Lindsay. We're watching for Lindsay. And how gorgeous is that? justice for her justice for the the messy party girl and i'm so glad we're starting to see justice for the messy party girls of the early 2000s who were slammed in the tabloids for what for what doing cocaine what do you think the men in hollywood are doing i'll tell you right now cocaine and other things that aren't drugs that i won't mention isn't it so interesting we look at people like lindsay lohan and nicole richie and all that just these ladies who may or may not have engaged with some sort of debauchery at some point in their lives, and we equate them to, to people like Charlie Sheen, who were genuinely, or Kanye West, like these men who have really done bad things. And yet we're like, oh, these women, they drink too much, and they have feuds with each other. Welcome to being in your 20s. Hello? If I was a child star and then I was growing up with all the opportunities in the world to do drugs and spiral, I'll tell you what, I don't think I would be alive to do a Falling for Christmas. I really don't. So good for her. I hope we continue to empathize with women who may or may not be or have a history of being a little bit messy. Speaking of which, kind of, the last thing I want to talk about Anna Delvey. Anna Delvey, let's discuss it. So she recently got out of prison and out of, I forget if she, she was, she was in ICE custody for a bit. I don't know if she was deported at some point, but she's out of that and she is back in New York City, baby. She's doing a bunch of things from basically her apartment because she still has that ankle monitor on. But you know what? 
you do what you can do where you're at, and sometimes you're in your apartment with an ankle monitor on. Anyway, there was a piece in the cut called Riding the Subway with Anna Delvey. And I want to talk about this because I think it's very interesting. And I think it's, you guys know how I love a scammer. And this is sort of a peek into the, the scammer mindset and how someone like Anna Delvey ends up in certain positions or with certain people in certain places. The article gets into that. It starts by saying Anna Delvey is not particularly charming or stylish or smooth talking, which I think was a big part of the fascination when the story first came out because people were like, oh, this person who was in all these circles, she must be like the most gorgeous, charming, persuasive person. And it was just kind of like a, a regular girl, a regular girl you may meet. Anyway, apparently her fridge was stocked with just drinks. We all know that person. I certainly know many of that person. They don't live a, a practical life whatsoever. I get the idea they can never survive as a, a Victorian child or a, an ancient orphan or whatever it is. I'd like to know, one thing I'd like to know about people, just anyone I meet, I wish it was just floating above their head like a sim. Just this idea of, are you the type of person who only has drinks in their fridge? And if that's the case, are you the type of person who has a fridge fully stocked with drinks and you know the type? They have water, they have seltzer, they have kombucha, they have soda, they have beer. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Or are you someone with a white claw and a Diet Coke? in your fridge. That I would love to know about every single person I meet. And honestly, I should start asking. There's a first date question. There's a dating trend. Drew Barrymore, the hilarious Ross Matthews, get in on this. And turning your date's plates around <laughs> to see if they're expensive. I have so many tips. Anyway, the piece goes on to say sort of the power of Anna Delvey was that she knew the right people and places and things. She really knew all the correct nouns, but she had a very ordinary appearance. And an interesting thing that this pointed out was that was sort of exactly what made her seem rich. Because most young rich people, they want to seem poor. They're, they have a trust fund and they're moving to Bushwick and they're wearing rags and... They don't say anything about their upbringing. I mean, that is sort of the way to be rich in these younger, less put-on circles. Of course, when you're older, maybe move to the Upper East Side. You're, like, doing interviews for your kids' preschool because you have to get them into the right school. And you're like, oh, what difference has this child made at three years old in our community? That's different. That's when you actually want to seem as rich as you are, or, of course, ideally richer. But the piece points out that Netflix, when they did the series Inventing Anna, they majorly, like, exaggerated her persona, and it's because they didn't think that viewers would understand that her being understated or her being not this crazy, charming, over-the-top person who's flaunting her wealth that's exactly what got her where she was. 
There is social capital to that. There's value in that. And what's interesting is that we always think being mediocre gets you nowhere. But I feel like being mediocre when you're in a non-mediocre position makes people think that you are inherently special. You know, if you're at a Michelin star restaurant in jeans, people are like, oh, that's someone. That's someone who doesn't have to wear their status because they just have it. You know how people say like, oh, if there's a table of people and one guy is just dressed in a t-shirt and shorts, like that's the one who's really rich. I don't think that's always necessarily true, but there's definitely something to it. That is very often the case. And people sort of admire that. You know, like how people talk about cool girl style. Uh, This is the cool girl. This is the it girl. This is what those girls are wearing. Usually pretty boring. Usually not anything wildly exciting. The model off-duty look? Are you kidding me? I mean, that's a tank top and jeans. It's a tank top and jeans and sneakers. And yet Haley Baldwin wears it, and the people are, are dancing in the street. And I think it's because they're like, oh, if she can pull this off, if she can make this look, I don't know, interesting or alluring in any way, I suppose she's that girl. She's just got it. Remember when the French girl style was all the rage? Like minimum makeup, a smudged red lip, some trousers, maybe a trench coat, a little capsule wardrobe moment. It's understated and people are into it. Did you guys ever read that book, How to Be Parisian, Wherever You Are? I love it. I still own it to this day. I think I might own the hard copy and like the the digital copy on like Google Books or something, which what even is that and why was I using it? But still, it's amazing. Especially you go into it being like, okay, I'm going to be told to wear a white button down shirt. And then it's like, cheat on your husband and drink wine. And you're like, okay, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Don't mind if I do. Anyway, Anna Delvey proceeds to say, I feel like if you scam somebody, that person is never getting anything back. But that was not the case for me. I mean, I don't know about that. In her particular case, I think there's definitely at least one example of someone that uh, she has really scammed that I can't say I've heard much about her getting something out of it. But you know what? I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I really feel scammers. I think I really get scammers. Because the piece talks about how Anna essentially started by moving to New York and just pretending like she belonged there. Pretending like she was a part of certain circles and faking it until she made it. And I think that's essential for really everyone to do in certain situations. I certainly fake it until I make it. Sometimes I fake it and don't even make it. I just go for it anyway. But then the question there, where's the line? Where's the line? I mean, the line is probably telling people you're an heiress and uh, scamming them out of like thousands of dollars. But you know what? That's still my girl. That is still my girl. I was talking on TikTok Live yesterday about Elizabeth Holmes, and I was like, you know what? I kind of get it. I do kind of get it, because you do have to fake it till you make it. She was a woman. She was a dropout. I mean, she still is both. 
She had big dreams. She had to believe in herself and try to convince other people to believe in her, even if she didn't necessarily have it all figured out yet. But then, what happens when you don't figure it out along the way? That's the big question. What happens when you're in too deep? You already have that fake voice going on. You've already gotten investors. Billions of dollars are involved. You still can't figure out that goddamn blood finger-pricking machine. Mmm. Anyway, I can't wait to see what's next for her. I'm very excited. I mean, other scammers do stuff. Frank Abagnale, the catch-me-if-you-can guy, he's working for the FBI, I think. Jordan Belfort is, like, making TikToks. You know what I really see for Anna Delvey is I am picturing some sort of almost prank show, almost Sasha Baron Cohen vibes, where it won't be actually her doing it, but maybe she's in someone's ear. She's in a a studio somewhere in someone's ear telling them what to do to maybe scam their way into places, crash an event or two, find their way into the high life. It can be called crashing the high life. How about that? Anna, contact me. Anyway, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you for listening. Love you all and I'm thankful for you all. Gobble gobble. There was a a little belated gobble-gobble for the people, naturally. As always, you can find me on socials, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at GlamDemon2004. You can follow the podcast Instagram, at LetMeRuinYourLifePod. You can DM for questions, requests, anything you want to say, really. Any gossip, confessions. Use it as a confessional booth. Why not? Get it out. Anyway, I have to go watch the Drew Barrymore show and skip my mental health walk. And I will talk to you guys next time. Bye, sweetie.